0: Uh, we've got Ashraf on the line. Ashraf, how can we help you? I want to ask, I actually have this huge amount of anxiety problem mm-hmm. where e- every time I, I, let's say in an interview, I tend to be a stutter mm-hmm. and get so much uh, anxiety. Okay. And also I become so uh, nervous to talk, uh, causing that everything that I thought uh, was yeah. lost. Yep. Yep. And okay. I tried, to take a deep breath, mm-hmm. uh, take a walk, and whatever it takes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, it just could not uh, rid of me.
1: Yeah, it doesn't work. So right.
0: Yeah, so I've been dealing with this. I think it's about three to four years now, okay. and, and I really don't know
1: how to deal with it. Okay, okay. Uh, Ashraf, can I ask, is it only in interviews uh, conditions where this happens, or is there other situations where this occurs as well?
0: Right now, my job is like to call people, uh-huh. and it actually happened to me as well, mm-hmm. where every time I try to speak, even mm. throughout the f- phone conversation, it sort of freaks me out
1: Okay, when, okay. when I talk to people. Okay, okay. Um, and, and so primarily through phone conversations where this happens lah. if you're meeting someone like face to face for example talking to colleagues or bosses or people you don't know is that as a parent it's actually worse okay okay Okay.
0: It did become worse when, when I face-to-face face with people Okay. and especially with uh, strangers and my boss
1: okay. um, so Ashraf just listening to your story and uh, based on the questions I've asked right? I think um, you're right um, you do have a fairly decent size anxiety problem um, and I think it seems like it's, it has to do with uh, interacting with people socially right? um, yeah, face-to-face you say it escalates on the phone it's a bit better but you still do stammer and you do um, uh, your words do get cut up in that sense Right. Um, I'm wondering if you are uh, have you ever tried anything any structured treatment before like uh, therapy for example counselling or even trying those uh, mindfulness exercises in a structured manner have you done any of those things before
0: uh, I never done any of
1: those before okay okay. I think that might be something that you might want to try and see I don't think at this moment you need to go to see a therapist just yet I think um, what I would suggest is that you try it on your own first so if you for example if you go on uh, YouTube and look for mindfulness exercises and also relaxation exercises there's some really good exercises there um, done by psychologists and psychiatrists and things like that where you can learn from right and that's a really good strategy to help you manage anxiety in the moment so that means like when you're about to engage in a call or conversation you do those activities do those exercises right it can really help you manage the anxiety at that moment right but that's more like a, a plaster la, a band-aid to a wound la, right? ultimately in the long run what we need to try and do is to investigate and find out where this anxiety is coming from in the first place right? because you can even put on so many plasters like eventually it's going to get very tiring as well la, right? so in the short term I think you can try and manage it on your own if it works well then great then we don't need. To, then, then fine la, I think that's a good idea uh, good uh, development but if it doesn't then I think it might be a good idea for you to speak to a therapist la, right? Uh, either a psychologist or a counsellor and to help you really deep dive and find out where this anxiety anxiety is coming from since it's been going on for quite a long time already la, right? And that way we can try and fix it at the source la so to speak, lah, you know. Um and that might be a good idea for you as well. La. Okay. All right, Ashra.
2: Good luck Ashra. Yeah, good luck, man.
1: Good luck, buddy. Yeah.
2: We've got an anonymous uh, message on our did you like line now about struggling to let go of feelings. This person says I made a mistake a few years ago and I can't forgive myself. I hurt people's feelings and cause pain, but I can't change any of that. It's something that I think about all the time and still very painful. What can I do?
1: Uh, that's a good question, and I think that's something that a lot of us have experienced before, will be experiencing. I think it's a common occurrence in our lives, Right? The fact that it's happening, it's been going on for quite a few years now. I think that's definitely a question mark for me, right? You know, what was the event that has occurred that's left such a big impact in right? life? And to be fair, there are big impacts like this that can happen, Right? Um, having a first child, for example, more positive one, losing a parent, you know, those mm-hmm. are things that can really leave a mark, Right? I think in terms of um, forgetting it or moving past it. Like, I think that really, I mean, the cliches exist for a reason. There really is no better cure than time sometimes, right? right. Just allowing yourself, uh, allowing yourself time to process and then be okay with it. Like, it's a natural progression kind of thing. Like, and sometimes, even in therapy as well, the more you work at it, the more you do, it's not going to change things. Like, it's You know what to do with it and more often than not. It's just allow, allowing the process to happen, like, which can right. be different from person to person like, in that sense, like, right? So I think in, in your case, um, you know, be patient with yourself. I think. If, as long as it's not disrupting your ability to, like, um, form new relationships or work or, or reach your dreams and goals, I think you're still okay. If that gets disrupted, of course, I think we need to get looked at. La. But if it's something that, you know, it lingers in your mind when you're idle, then it comes back to your memory. I wouldn't say be comfortable with it, but allow it to happen. La. I think the more the less resistance we give it, the the quicker it will go away after a while la, in that sense. La.
2: So basically, I mean, um, this person says that um, it's something they think about all the time, still very Mm, painful. So obviously they're still feeling it, right? Yeah. yeah, So what, what can a person do in that moment when, you know it comes into mind or they mm-hmm. remember it. Or
1: mm-hmm. There are different schools of thought to that. Um, you know, some schools will say that we need to um, have a logical analysis, logical debate with it, right, telling ourselves mm-hmm. things like, you know, it's been a while, it's moved on, it doesn't need to impact me anymore, I get to choose. And Other schools of thought says that, you know, it's like a passing cloud in the sky. You know, we see it, we acknowledge it, doesn't really, and we take it for what it is, a passing memory and then off mm-hmm. it goes, we don't, don't interact with it. That's another uh, school mm-hmm. of thought. La. But I think the last thing we should do is to try and ignore it or stop thinking about it because it's like trying to tell you that if I ask you not to think about a pink elephant with a purple monkey running on its back the more I ask you to oh, forget boy, about Lord, it <laughs> thanks man
0: now yeah. I have that in my head oh, yeah. and
1: everyone in Malaysia listens to this <laughs> yeah. and the more I ask you not to think about that that yeah. pink elephant with a purple monkey on its back it's just going to keep going back and forth back and forth so the last right. thing you want to do is tell yourself I don't want to think about it No. Okay. I think embrace it let it envelop you and then eventually you'll just ebb away after that though.
2: Doctor, this is also from an anonymous uh, person who's messaged us on the DigiLight line saying, I get anxiety attacks and occasionally panic attacks. It started around five years ago. The first time was when I heard about someone getting raped. After that, it just gets triggered when I get into arguments with my dad. I'm always scared that it will happen again. Is it necessary to go to therapy? Are there any other coping skills besides breathing.
1: Um right. So answer your first question first. Is it necessary to come in for therapy? I think if it's a panic attack, panic attack, so that means there's not um, in your everyday life, you're pretty calm, there's not much anxiety, then mm-hmm. I think it's still relatively manageable, again depending on the severity and the magnitude of the panic attack stuff, right? And the reason why I say that is because with panic attacks oftentimes it's what happens is that you're panicking about your next panic attack and that's what's the trigger, right? So it's not so much that you're anxious about anything, you're just anxious that another panic attack is gonna happen. Mm. So for milder cases of that kind of panic attack you can manage it quite well with um, what you said breathing techniques right and if you've tried it it doesn't work then there are other relaxation techniques you can try there's something called progressive muscle relaxation but it's more uh, bodily so instead of just breathing you're trying to rest uh, tense and relax all the different body parts that you have all the mu- big muscle groups that you have um, you can also try uh, guided imagery and also grounding techniques I mean, guided imagery is basically um, it's almost like an audiobook sort of kind of where someone narrates to you a little scene or a little event uh, scenario you and you calm your mind and allow yourself to just live through that the narrative right mm. The other one was grounding techniques. That means you find something that can keep you in the here and now. Right. A lot of times with panic attacks, what uh, makes it worse is that you know your thoughts get away with you. You know it just uh, escalates, escalates, escalates to a point where you start freaking out. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you find something that can ground you here, that's actually quite useful. So you know how in movies and TV shows you see the person having a panic attack and then the the friend or whatever it is gives them a slap or throws a cup of water in their face. Right. As humorous as those things are, that's a good example of a grounding technique because it's so sudden and so shocking the system that you cannot help but just focus on what just happened to you so it grounds you it stops your mind from wandering, like a
2: circuit breaker
1: yeah exactly that mm. exactly that right so obviously don't slap yourself, or throw, yourself uh, throw a glass of water yourself mm. but find something similar Um, I've, I've had clients who found that you know getting a, a piece of ice like a big a block of ice and right, putting it in their mouth that can work quite well as well because it's so sharp so cold it's so uh, jarring to your system Right. that could be a circuit breaker like what I just said as well though. that's something you can do
2: that is so and- weird you just said that because before you said that I was like mm, pop an ice cube into the mouth and I was like that's a daft thought don't think that and then you just said that
1: (laughs) wow okay no no that's actually a really good one bizarre (sighs) So your second question Do you need to go in for therapy I think Again like I said earlier on It's the magnitude of it If it's something that happens Like once a month Once every Like two months Or something like that Then I think it's still Quite manageable And you can try out These different things That I mentioned just then But if it's something That's happening Like on a daily Or weekly basis And on top of that There's a lot of anxiety In your life in general Right That may contribute Towards panic attacks Then I think seeing a therapist Is not a bad idea Right Because then it's more Of a long term solution Rather than just A symptomatic cure In like, that sense Okay
2: Dr. Joel I've got a message on our Digi light line for you. Uh, it's anonymous says, I am the sister of someone who's struggling with mental health issues. I was wondering if you could help me understand what causes mental health issues. My sibling was doing good all their life after the 23rd birthday started to have issues. At 24, needing psychiatric help. What changed? What happened?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, it's one of those great mysteries, right? I think with uh, mental disorders, there really is no one determinant on why things happen, Right. I think we've established pretty much that there is a uh, contributing factors from both uh, someone's biology, someone's upbringing, the social surroundings that are in, for example, and also their mental health, the psychology, right? So it's a biopsychosocial model, right? That much we are sure, that much we are certain that these three elements, um, by and large, contribute towards someone's uh, mental health. But to determine or to ascertain which one in particular is the main contributing factor, we have no idea, right? We know a lot about mental health, but as for as much as for as many things as we know, there are of things that we don't know. Right. So in regards to your question, I I we don't know right? why is it that happens like that, right? Um there are some disorders that happen at the cusp of someone turning about eighteen to twenty-five around them, so like for example schizophrenia or OCD, they have this weird switch that turns on some in some people uh, when they hit that age, right. it starts happening. It starts turning on, for example. But other things are like depression, there is no such switch, it can happen at any point of your life, right? Whether you're four or you're forty-four or sixty four or have whatever you like, that sense, right? Mm. So I think it's just something that is a mystery, unfortunately, right? So as to why your family member has that um, mental disorder, we have no idea, right? Um, but this is probably a combination of the biopsychosocial factors like, that your, person, your friend, your family member is going through. Like. Is there any possibility that uh, someone has <laughs> mental um, has a mental condition, mm-hmm. is dormant or has been able to control it, but at a certain point in time, maybe... Something happened at work or something Mm -hmm. that just pushes someone over the edge. An
2: external stressor. Right? You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So genetically, there is a con- uh, contribution as well, right? So if there is a history of mental disorders in your family, so let's say either your, your parents or your grandparents, for example, as a rule of thumb, like you're twice as likely to get a mental disorder yourself, right? That doesn't mean that you're going to get it, it's just that you're more likely to get it. And then, like what JD said, like, if something significant happens in your life, um, death of a family member, divorce, getting through a brutal workplace, for example, those can be then the triggers that would initiate or kickstart that mental disorder from starting. In that sense la. For some other people It's not It's just really Arbitrary and random la. There's really no good way To to, to ascertain la, Why it happens la, Unfortunately
2: mm-hmm. So this is a message From Jun Who says that uh, Jun is 32 years old. How do I know if I'm unwell or just normal worried? Uh, It feels very hard to keep thoughts in my head. They just float in and out. I'm always forgetting to do things, finish things, Uh, where I put my things. I find it hard to pay attention when someone is talking to me or I am watching something. Is there something wrong with me? interesting.
1: Hmm, good question, Jun. Um, I think the, the, the constellation of symptoms that you mentioned, it doesn't sound, I mean, just from what I'm hearing right now, it doesn't sound too significant or too serious at the moment, right? Um, I think one good question to ask is whether you're still able to function day-to-day. I think you said so there's some disruptions, you can't really focus, you can't hold conversations and things like that. So that's definitely a, a, a point to consider, right? Um, typically, in clinical settings, that's how we ascertain whether someone is uh, going through a major clinical disorder or not, the ability to function From the sounds of it, there is some disruptions, but you're still okay by and large, right? Um, Even if there is nothing going on with you, even if there's nothing clinical going on with you, I think the fact that you have so much uh, thoughts, perhaps negative thoughts or dysfunctional thoughts floating through your mind, might warrant you to see a counselor or a the psychologist anyways, right? Because that could be a good way to understand where these thoughts are coming from mm. and then they sh- and figure out what you can do about it so that it's a bit calmer in your head, lah, right? Um, So that I think would be my recommendation. I think the fact that you are write, uh, writing in um, tells me that it's it's concerning enough for you, right? That I think it's a good idea for you to just go see someone. You know, best case scenario, it's nothing. It's just, you know, you have a lot of thoughts. The, the therapist will give you a good way to manage those thoughts, be a bit more relaxed and good things like that. Worst case scenario, it is anxiety, let's say, for example, or something along those lines and we catch it early and we can prevent it from becoming a full-blown disorder. So even better, right? So I think that's my recommendation for you, Junjun.